Welcome to the 8th episode of the Front End Happy Hour Podcast. For this episode, we have an interesting topic. Today, we'll be discussing the topic of living and working in Silicon Valley. Today is also kind of a special uh, episode. We almost have all the panelists here. Brian Holtz is the only one that did make it. <laughs> Let's go around the table and give brief introductions. Ryan, do you want to start us off? Sure. I'm Brian Inklum. I'm a UI engineer at Netflix. I'm Jim Young, also a UI engineer at Netflix. Hi, I'm Sarah Fetterman. I'm a UI engineer at LinkedIn. Uh, I'm Augusta Sian. I'm a front-end engineer at Evernote. Uh, I'm Derek Shars, a UI engineer at LinkedIn. And I'm Ryan Burgess, a UI engineering manager at Netflix. So before we dive into the topic, if you haven't listened to any of our previous episodes, we like to pick a keyword for each episode, and when we mention that keyword, we take a drink. So since today's topic is Silicon Valley, what have we decided the keyword will be this week? Bay Area. Bay Area. Awesome. So anytime we say Bay Area, we will take a drink. Before we get into today's topic, I also wanted to give our listeners some context to highlight what Silicon Valley actually is. Silicon Valley is a nickname that was given to the area in Northern California. Basically, that area is Santa Clara Valley and the southern half of the peninsula to San Francisco. And I think some portions of the East Bay is still considered Silicon Valley. The word valley actually refers to Santa Clara Valley, and the word silicon came originated from the large number of silicon chip innovators and manufacturers in the region. So that's actually where Silicon Valley comes from. Yeah, fun facts. <laughs> it's not Silicon Valley? It is not Silicon Valley. <laughs> if anyone has watched Chelsea Handler speak on uh, Silicon Valley, which is a hilarious episode, but she mistakenly does that, and then Reed Hastings, the CEO of Netflix, actually has to explain it to her what it is, like how to pronounce it. And actually, the other night, I was out for dinner with a graffiti artist by the name of Scam. He was visiting from Toronto, and he'd never been to San Francisco before. And he actually asked me, he's like, why are there so many startups here? I didn't really have a good answer like I felt. I don't know. Does anyone have an answer for that? Like, why do uh, all startups basically resonate in Silicon Valley? Because somebody started it. Somebody it started with, like, uh, Intel and Sun, right? They were, they were originally in Silicon Valley. That's yeah, there was a lot of them. And I think from what I've read and, and understood, too, is a big part of it is all the VC money that's out here. Uh, yeah. what do they call the Sandhill Road uh, is like where all the VCs are so if you have a startup you typically need funding and that's where the funding is so I don't know if that's why I don't know if there's any other reasons why it's weird we it can, is weird. we can get to that later about yeah. why that is well before we get too far into it uh, how long has everyone lived in uh, in the valley yeah but here two and a half years came here from Wisconsin in 2013 yeah. Nice. Been here five months. Came here from New York. I've been here since January, and I lived here last summer. Um, came from upstate New York, which is not the same as New York City. It's close. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been here around like two years. Two years. I mean, I was born in Cali, but yeah. uh, I was more north. But Where were you born? I was born in Santa Ramon. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Fremont, but I moved to Santa Ramon. So more north. More north than... So yeah, don't really see any of the Silicon Valley stuff there. But... So more north than the Bay Area? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually just going to say, I've been here in the Bay Area for two and a half years. <laughs> From uh, Philadelphia, so East Coast as well. Awesome. And I'm, I've actually just making it over three years here. What is the biggest difference that you guys found from Silicon Valley into where you were before moving out here? 
The weather. The weather. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I like seasons, because I grew up in Southern California. Actually, I grew up all over, but Southern California. And Southern California is one season. Summer, and slightly less summer. But here, it's fantastic. It's like, the weather's great all the time. Granted, I've made a whole year, but I like the consistency. Yeah, I've, I've noticed from, from Wisconsin down here, I've noticed there's a lot more specialists. So, I mean, we're a room full of front-end engineers here, right? And back in Wisconsin, most people were full-stack developers, did kind of a little bit of JavaScript, a lot of .NET, and there's a lot more people specializing in different technologies and different parts of the stack out here than yeah, I've I've heard, in Wisconsin. I've heard um, a designer that I uh, used to work with that moved back to Colorado was saying the same thing on um, for their stuff. It's like they expect designers in you know other parts of the country, other parts of the world to like do everything from visual design all the way through HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. So it's like they want that same, same type of thing with that like full stack. That can it, also be a function of just they hire more people here. True, and so you're getting more specialized people. And out there, too, you're probably expected to be the like unicorn that and is like paid at one salary. You're doing like five jobs, but you should be paid probably five salaries. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I found, too, is like coming from Toronto, there's a lot of agencies there, so I did a lot of agency work. Big part of being out here that I really like is that being working for an actual company and you're constantly like trying to make your product better and you're focused on that. When in an agency, you're kind of in and out, you might have like a month or two on a project and then you're done. Um, so I like the fact that like being working for a company that you're constantly making things better and improving along the way. I totally agree. I also came from an agency and I just... I feel like I learn things way more deeply now, and just like learning best practices rather than getting code out the door is way better. Yeah, you you don't have that. Well, we have deadlines, but not that like, oh my god, the client needs this tomorrow, like, and then you're done. And sometimes if like the deadline comes and you're like, we're not ready, they're like, okay, we can push back the deadline. It's True. not worth it. Like, it's not worth shipping some shitty broken experience for your customers. Mm -hmm. Customer experience is important. But I think in this room, too, we're full of stable, big companies that are kind of established. Is that different in the startup scene? I mean, are there, I think it's a little bit more hectic. Sure, yeah. And some of those small startups that are just trying to get that product out there. I mean, Augustus and I both worked at Evernote. Um, I yeah. feel like, I mean, they're still in startup. I mean, they're like six years old yeah, or something. Yeah. So it's a little bit older of a startup, but still had that mentality of, uh, you know, having to get certain things out the door really quickly. And I think there were harder deadlines for that. Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest differences of being here in the Bay Area, nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the influence that tech has here. So tech is like, tech workers are maybe 70% of the city, maybe. But like the influence is huge. Everybody talks about tech and it's very polarizing. People hate the shuttles, people hate that tech workers driving up the rents. But it's, it's so funny because New York has a high tech scene too, but you don't hear them talk about tech as much. But there's also finance and like sales and advertising, but Silicon Valley, or not, not Silicon Valley, Bay Area. That's the Bay Area. It's just tech has so much influence yeah. here. I think mean, it's crazy because we're less than 10% of the population, but we just influence a lot of what's happening. I think the thing that blew my mind was the first time I drove up from San Jose to San Francisco, uh, when you just into like the lower part of the city, there's this big sign by Twilio and it says, ask your engineer. <laughs> and I was like, we just they have a billboard? Yeah. Telling people to ask their engineers like that? Never. You wouldn't see that in Wisconsin ever. <laughs> well, what I was saying is it's really funny because if you even go to LA, all you see is like movie billboards. That's the big thing there. But you come out here, 
It's Twilio. It's Braintree. What else is there? Um, Apple, Mailchimp. There's all these different things that are totally geared at tech people. And that's the billboards you see like across the the entire Bay Area. <laughs> yeah, actually, like just calculating here, I got like an ad for a list. So you like gave me the employer, right? <laughs> Did you me get that too? too? Like, so. but it's always the first time. Yes, yeah. so that's so interesting. The other interesting thing you brought up, I used to remind me of with Caltrain is there's not is what's also very unique about here is you sit on public transit and everyone around you is talking about code. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like sometimes it gets exhausting, quite honestly. But um, you know, definitely when I first was here, and even now from time to time, like, but when I was riding Caltrain every day, I was kind of like, oh my god, I just want to. Go. Do you <laughs> but, ever um, play the game where you like sort of listen and try to yeah, figure out what you work for? Oh, is that a game? I'm glad. I thought it was, just, I thought it was eavesdropping. Who do you work but I'm glad for? Like, or even <laughs> what, what language they're talking? So does that mean that also like looking at that person's screen and seeing exactly what they're doing in the game? Hey, that's too? totally no, that's, creepy, that's dude. Okay. <laughs> you, you like. You've gone past there. You should not be doing that. <laughs> it's also weird, like, coming in different neighborhoods. Like, going into a bar in Soma, and, like, everybody's talking about this stuff. But where I live, it's, like, it's a bunch of, like, finance people in suits and stuff. And it's completely different. It just, there's so many different sections of the Bay Area. And, well, yeah. <laughs> So sometimes we talked about hearing about tech, like and seeing the different billboards and, you know, everywhere you go, you're kind of surrounded by tech. And sometimes I always hear it as being referred to as that we live in a bubble. Do we actually live in a bubble? Does everyone agree with that or do you feel like that? Yeah, we live in a bubble. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like, no question in my mind. Uh, like, uh, easy, easy, lazy example is all these startups build for iOS when the vast majority of the world uses Android. And it's like, it's right there. And I tell people that when they're designing the iOS box, they're like, why don't we build for Android? And they're like, well, you know, we use iOS. But I'm like, everybody else doesn't. Mark's on my machine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's totally it. I think another good example of why we live in a bubble is the importance that's put behind things that do not make money. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, I'm not making any money, but my growth numbers are off the charts. <laughs> And then they just get more money, and then they just, you know, that's what they concentrate on. So um, I think that that's definitely a good sign of yeah, that the, bubble. The money will come later, right? Yeah. There's also, like, two bubbles that, that we're talking about here. It's like, there's one about just tech in general right now. There's so much money being poured into it, and uh, we're starting to pop a little bit. But there's also the bubble of, like, we live in Silicon Valley, and we have a different perspective because there's so much saturation here. That's true. I think even for, you know, when you think of like testing your app or something like that, I know so many companies do user testing. User testing in the, in the Bay Area does not count. It's, uh, it's so true. If you're going to user test, you need to go outside of this, like outside of Silicon Valley. It's like, that's not the ideal place to be testing. Testing your the market. Dem- the demographic here is like so skewed towards people who are very like tech savvy. And True. Things. You know, <laughs> and I your mean, target market might be like yeah. people who are. Yeah. But also the average salary of the San Francisco area uh, is is extremely high. So yeah, your your startup that comes to your house and washes your dog for you, I'm pretty sure it's a real startup too. Well, yeah, actually, I, 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 I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. I used that startup, so. <laughs> yeah. What's it called? Rover. Rover. Oh, that's a real startup? I just made that up. <laughs> but we should, we should see how many startups we can think of just, like, stupid ideas and then see if they are real startups. Well, don't you just, like, throw 
the uber of this like it, it's like that's the new thing is All like you just say fail though well i can understand that <laughs> i was uh, i was speaking at react rally last year in utah and i had a joke in a joke startup called tattoos for babies and it turns out that's a real startup oh, it's a real wow. idea the tattoo babies so like if it got lost or something i don't know but it was a real thing someone sent me the article and i was like no did you find out when it started did it like start because you kicked that off at reactor i wish <laughs> I want that would be awesome this valuable company i don't but, think, i don't i wouldn't tie myself to that one though <laughs> have to buy the options yeah the cps might get involved yeah Oh jeez! But still, yeah, your your crazy, stupid idea that it might work here because people are they make a lot of money, they don't like to be inconvenienced, and it might work here. So you're like, oh yeah, it's a hit, and then you move outside, it just fails completely. Yeah. That's that's the story of a lot of companies in Silicon Valley. Yeah, actually, kind of building on that something, and this is actually doesn't even um, pertain to Silicon Valley specifically, but hackathons also have also kind of blown up. Like when I did hackathons in college, it was like pretty chill. But now, like, hackathons, you, like, apply. They're, like, full-on, like, college submission grade. Hey, like, give us your resume, what are your projects, and you might get into this hackathon to compete. And, and then you get, like, a, a startup. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, uh, it's absolutely crazy. There's, like, so many huge hackathons now, and you have to, like, full-on apply just to get into them. I've gotten wow. asked to apply to a few just to be a diversity number. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I go on a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> How do you know it's a diversity thing? Because I said so. Whoa, that's <laughs> terrible. Wait, did it really say that? Uh, it... Well, so I went on the Slack. Yeah. And, like, basically all of the people on the Slack were, like, female designers that also did HTML, CSS. And that was it was not that kind of hackathon. I knew, like, 99% of them and had been asked to apply. I know I was asked to apply with them. <laughs> I mean, at least they're trying to try Oh, yeah, to get, no, it was um, great. You know, it, was, it was actually bad because there, like, weren't anybody else. Too many designers. So, what are some positives of working and living in Silicon Valley? I feel the culture here is very interesting in that many things are geared towards convenience, and there's just things you wouldn't experience in other places that you would experience here. Like, I found out like there's this um, restaurant in SF that like will just make salad bowls for you. Like, it's just, just go in, I'll just spit out a salad bowl. It's super fast, super easy, and it's, like, what all, a ton of people, like, do mess up. Like, there's just so many things that you experience. Um, but we also just, have, like, exploring, like, weird explorations like that. Like, you can get a sushi burrito, and yeah, it's just as fast. Sushi burrito. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> Isn't that one of your favorite things? I love sushi burrito. <laughs> I feel like I've seen you tweet it. It's so delicious. My I agree. If you say it enough times, sushi. maybe they'll provide sushi ritos that are... Sushi rito, I love you! <laughs> Please start giving Sarah free, free burritos. I'll love you forever. I think one of the advantages, I guess I'll say this is kind of like the cliche thing, but I think one of the advantages to working in Silicon Valley is you have the opportunity to influence almost whatever you want. Like, So maybe it is a startup that takes care of dogs at people's houses, and maybe somehow you think that that's going to change society but um you know maybe it's maybe it's working with um some sort of like you know assistive technology like a company like that that we were talking about um uh last last episode about accessibility like there's lots of big players in that around here you know like i just think you have a lot of different ways to um give back to society well i mean just really cool. yeah that's a good point technology is improving people's and it's, lives yeah. and making it easier and maybe it is just convenience that it is giving them a salad bowl or helping you take care of your dog. I mean, that 
can really help someone's life, but you're right, even to the point where it's impacting someone with that needs assistive technology to actually be able to surf the internet. It's just the amount of products, like sure. you were saying at the yeah. beginning of the For me, the positive, I think, like when I was back in Wisconsin working, uh, I was the guy that was, you know, the lead front-end engineer. I was challenging people to write better code. And the second I moved down here, it flipped. You know, people were starting to challenge me more and really pushed me to become a better front-end engineer, write better code, write cleaner code. I think that's the biggest thing that I've got out of this is I've become a much better engineer just by being surrounded by so many smart people. Yeah, it's like you're you're no longer top dog. It's like you're you're in there growing yeah. because you're learning so much. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's why I came out here just to to like work. I mean, there's there's a very few other places, not to discredit other places, but there's very few other places in the world that you can go as a engineer and be challenged like you can. Yeah. I think there's, I mean, you're going to be challenged anywhere you go, but I think because there's such a demand on people being here, there's like so many engineers that they're just top talent out here. And it is constantly challenging. You're learning from each other, which I, I do find that ever since I've moved, I found that has been a big part of moving here. You kind of have to come to terms that you're never going to be the smartest person in the room. I like that though. I love it, <laughs> but like it, it's not good for everybody. Yeah, it's. It, I agree. It's can be very stressful for some people. Mm-hmm. Who said the quote? If you're the smartest man in the room, you're in the wrong room. I was just gonna <laughs> say that. I don't know. I forgot who said it, but that is like a it's great a, quote. It's like a really good quote. This isn't it's the, such a Bay Area quote, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for a way to work That's number one rule: chess. The only one to get better is to play a better opponent. That applies to like everything. Else, yeah, but yeah. something about the truth. Like you mean. Ryan, Ryan, you guys are like brilliant. I love working with you guys. And I don't like being brilliant. Really <laughs> <laughs> I don't you feel like that. No. I'm like I work with Gemini. No, when I when I lived and worked in South Georgia, just there was no tech community. There was like I would read Hacker News and read about cool things people are doing, but never, never me. I was like, oh yeah, I'm using jQuery. This is cool. People are using like Backbone. I was like, what is this craziness? And then I get out here, and people are like writing new frames. Since like blowing my mind, so yeah, I agree. That's definitely positive. The community is big too. Awesome. Awesome. Absolutely, like meet, the amount of meetups out here is is crazy. Oh, I mean, if yeah. you like, if you can't find a meetup that interests you each week, you're probably not. Yeah, I used to like as an intern, I would go to like three a week and I just eat dinner there every night. It was great. <laughs> that that is one thing. So meetups are great to learn and network yeah. and everything. But you're right. You could pretty much eat for free, like your whole week, it was if, great. if you're just going to different meetups. Yeah, and then like is like yeah. the best friend. No, they had like shrimp stuff. What? Great. I got the wrong. Meetup. Yeah, I've had. <laughs> I've had pizza. I've had you know, <laughs> Greek food. Yeah. Uh, like, there's lots of different foods that I've had. Like, I went to a Salesforce one, and they had like Vietnamese sandwiches. It was so good. Like bao mi or yeah. oh nice. nice. I think it's a pretty good segue to. Like, engineers out here are treated very differently than they are anywhere yeah. else. Oh, totally. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be a positive it's and a, a negative. It's actually. a great thing to be an engineer, but, for example, at Netflix once, in all the kitchens on the floor, we have these tubes of just snacks that you can come and get, and they're labeled. One is M&M's, one's almonds, and one's Czech Mix. And someone went crazy one day, and they put Czech Mix in the almonds tube, so there's two tubes of Czech Mix. And... We got an email on this DL. I'm like, where are my almonds? You know, this is filled with Chex Mix. And I mean, it got responded to really fast. There was a lot of exclamation points and a lot of apologies. And it was like, 
just crazy. I couldn't fathom <laughs> that this was such a big deal. Someone is upset things. about their free food, yeah. basically. Right, right. Almonds are killing us in California, too. Seriously, I'm on, a, I'm on a total almonds. almond ban. They, they use so much water and run a drought, and people are like, almonds. Yeah. It's a gallon of water. So it was it's a gallon of water for almonds. The almond. It was like, you know, <laughs> jumps, goes around and steals them. He's just like, no one can eat these. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I've, I've seen... And some jobs here that I've had, like people are complaining about the free food, or like, and it's like, do you realize that other places in the world mm-hmm. you don't get this? Yeah, I think the free food has uh, ruined me a bit too. I I don't have food in my apartment, uh, so you know you you <laughs> get lunch you get lunch given to you each day, which is amazing and that's awesome. But then. I get home and I'm like, well, I don't want to cook. Like, where's my food? Like, someone usually takes care of this for me. And, it, you know, obviously I'm exaggerating it. But uh, the fact is, is, like, you, you just kind of get used to that. And I feel like I used to cook a lot more. And now I'm like, no, oh, no, that's that's a lot of work and effort. I never I don't. cooked, so it's great. <laughs> so you're okay in that sense. Best customer. I can't help but all the viewers are judging this right now. Like, these They're people just don't judge cook. <laughs> We're spoiled. We're yeah, right. No, no, I, I, totally, I totally, totally, yeah. I think you're uh, so like, those are some of the positives. Like, what are some of the negatives? Cause there, there is some negatives about being working and living here. I would love to hear your thoughts on them as, yeah, what are some of those negatives? Total lack of diversity. In, in what sense? Like in mindset, in like industry, in people in the industry, like there's a, there's a lot of saturation here. There's a lot of like an echo chamber effect because of it. Do you think it's getting better? Like, I have seen, and, and I'm not saying, we have a long ways to go, but I have seen a lot of effort lately, I feel like, where they're trying to make See, things See, that's better. the thing. It's not working, though. Like, Google wants to pour tens of millions of dollars into this, and, like, nothing happens. Their needle hasn't moved at all. So, like, people need to really start assessing what can we do. And, I mean, asking for free work from whoever's the most minority, like, not helping, so... We'll have this discussion in a different episode, but our diversity episode is pretty good. Yeah, I, I agree. There's not there's not enough diversity here. It's and I'll say this: I'm saying this is a diversity episode. But if your company has a VP of diversity, there's something wrong with your like the people that work at your company, like not your company in general, like your culture. Because if you're Twitter and he's white, yeah, that's another another story. But let's not go on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but seriously, like you shouldn't need a VP of diversity. Like you should just naturally. No, being elusive with people. But at least, like, they're making an effort. But we can't, like, say, oh, it's okay, they're making an effort. They still need to actually do stuff. It's like we've recognized there's a problem, so we have a VP to take care of that. It it is weird. I mean, at least they're trying to recognize it and do something about it, but... That's actually one of the questions that I need to, like, I always ask during interviews now, like, what are your diversity goals specifically and what are your current numbers? That's actually a good question. You should really have concrete goals. I'll say a negative of uh, living out here is the rent is so I was just freaking say high. Well, it is coming even. from New York, like a very high rent place. Which is funny here. because Manhattan used to be the most expensive place in North America to live. It is no longer the case. No, like the rent is so insane. And not just rent, but like housing prices. It's yeah. just, I don't think like I'll ever be able to buy a house here. Which or is like, sad because... It would be like my plan would have to go. Our salaries are, are fairly high here. Right. Exactly. And yeah, you can't even afford a house, which yeah. is crazy. Like, I can't help but feel like the high salaries are like a majority of it is because of the high rent. Like, 
it's like some like some companies like we're giving you a higher salary to because we understand the rent is really high. So I read an article the other day. It was like a guy went back and, you know, when they started doing rent control, they started recording the actual rent prices. But he went back and he wrote down all of the rent prices from years and years before that, before they were actually digitized. So he went through all these, like, newspapers. And there were, like, three things that, like, were really affecting it. It was, I think it was um, the amount of salary, the amount of tech people, and the amount of housing. And we've actually been going up steadily at a 6% rate ever since, like, it, ever since San Francisco has been a place. So it actually hasn't changed all that much, but, like, the only thing that we can basically do is, like, build, uh, like, basically more housing than is even possible, or, like, cut our salaries in half, so we're kind of fucked. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll figure it out. We're like the, the definition of nimbyism here. Uh, for those who don't know what nimbyism is, it means not in my backyard. Like, oh, we should have a homeless shelter, but not in my backyard. We should build, like, high-rise apartments so, like, to bring down the cost of housing, but not in my backyard. And that's so true. It's, yeah. I think one of the most notorious neighborhoods is Palo Alto is, like, very, very bad on it because it's a lot of wealthy people. Housing is super expensive, but they don't want to build new housing. They're, like, act, they actively block it every single time they want to, like, put up new high-rise or something because... They don't want to ruin their property values. And that's that's one of the key contributors to the high rent here. It's like, there's not a lot of high rise in San Francisco. For such a large city, it's like, no, blew my mind when I got it. I think, besides housing, I think one of the th- negatives is you do have to be mentally strong to be here. I mean, every, every day I go home and have imposter syndrome. And every day I go home feeling like, geez, I'm just, everyone that I'm working with is so much smarter than me. And you got to be able to fight that and, and push hard and keep learning. And, you know, you do have to be mentally strong and you do have to be hungry and you have to passionate and it's it's a lot of work it, mm-hmm. it, that's a hard one to get over to yeah. i mean because you're working with yeah. such like talented to people you, you do is that people are smarter than you and i mean it's a great thing to have that like we just said that was a very big yeah, positive is that you're working with these talented people but yeah it is kind of, it's like daunting yeah. yeah i mean there's two sides too like if you're really freaking smart, or you think you are, or whatever, uh, you still need to be humble, and you still need to, like, make newcomers feel welcome. Because when you're not, that's what contributes to these, like, shitty cultures. Yeah, I think kind of to go along with that, too, I think that it's a tough place for entry-level um, yeah. people to to start, just because you either have to, like Ryan said, be really strong-willed and, like, and have a lot of self-confidence... Um, and sell yourself maybe a little bit higher than than, than what which you might have. be not a good thing. Or, yeah, or you, um, yeah, you just need to be um, ready for no's, and um, I think that can be really difficult. Um, you know, there's there's lots of talent, and and I think a lot of these tech companies are hiring, you know, graduates from computer science degrees from Stanford. So for me, you know, I never had a computer science degree. I'm all, I think a lot of us are all like self taught. So it's it's tough if you don't have any experience um, to come out here. And we're not, we didn't go to Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely did not. I could now because I'm broken up. You're broken up? Yeah, they like made it so it's free for people that don't make like a shit ton of money. Oh, that's actually pretty awesome. I know. Yeah, I think a good thought exercise or a good exercise to get used to that is submit a pull request on any big framework and just yep. see how people respond to your code. They will tear it apart, they will look at every single line, they'll tell you it's shit. And you've got to learn from that and not take it personally and don't get discouraged. Just 
you know, take that, that they're actually trying to make your code better and, and learn from it and use that to write better code. Your awesome. code, your Don't idea, everything dick. about it. Like, yeah. Source is notorious for people being dicks for no reason. Like, you can crit somebody without being like, you're a fucking idiot because you wrote this thing and don't be Linus. Or Linus or however he says his name. <laughs> you don't have to be yeah. a dick, basically. Basically, yeah. don't be a dick. Yeah. I think, I mean, a lot of the popular frameworks, like Ember, React, those guys are, even at yeah. Angular, they're really nice and they're really there to help you. And if you submit a pull request, no one's going to, from what I've seen, they're not going to be like that. They're going to actually tell you, you know, this is what you can do better. No, I was just going to say, like, a lot of the open source frameworks that, like, I've contributed to, like Ghost or, like, um, some other ones that have, like, Getters or, or Slack channels, like, they're pretty nice. Like, that's at least, that was at least my experience when contributing. Like, they're usually pretty open because, like, it's all voluntary. I was going to say, they should be nice. Yeah. You are exactly. literally so. helping them do their project for free. Right, so exactly. So why the hell wouldn't you be nice? Yeah, I almost, awesome. like, I almost feel like it's nicer to, like, to code for an open source project than, like, for your company because it's, like, people, it's, like, people are so much nicer on that. So it's just you learn so much. I think maybe it's. I think what maybe Ryan was saying though is everyone has an opinion. So it's That's like true. even if they're yeah. nice, it's still like you, you may submit this pull request thinking this is this is awesome. Like yeah. I fixed a lot of stuff here, and then you get like ten <laughs> comments. Yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. Sure. So they they won't try to be nice. They won't go out of their way to be nice. They no, no. They will sell their opinion, and they will just be very blunt about it in some cases. And but they're direct, and I think which, direct, which is actually a good thing too. Yeah. Is like being direct. You don't have to be a dick to be direct. You can be direct just to the yeah. point and, and be clear of like what you're trying to, what your project was yep. doing, what, what was wrong, and just be direct about that. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, you but if you're not used to that directness, it's it's hard to take that, that first time yep. to get something like that. It's, but like, even when you're being direct, make sure that you're still thankful that somebody is taking time out of their day to learn your framework, contribute to it, and make it a better candidate. Yeah, good point. I'll say one uh, bad thing about being here is you see this doesn't happen to me personally because all my friends are poor, but <laughs> you see you see people like getting just stupid rich like instantly, and you think, oh, I can do that too. Like I'll work at this startup that comes to your house and washes dollars, and it's going to IPO, and we're going to make so much money. And like we in America, we honor the hustle, like being broke and like being brown and profitable and things like that. But in truth, like that's a stressful life. That's not. Mm -hmm. It's good to to get that done, to like be able to push through and like get your work done, but let's not glorify it. Let's not say like, oh yeah, it's cool being in an apartment full of eight people making like no money because like your star is about to take off. It just I, I see a lot of people come out here and they're not pragmatic about their chances. Like odds are your startup's not gonna make a lot of money, you're probably gonna be broke. But like get some experience in, like that's what you should do it for, not for the money. I actually like think that most of the people that come out here as new grads and think that should seriously consider not doing that because one, you're not going to have anything good on your resume. Like people aren't going to know it. It's really hard to get a job after that. Like just start off easy. Well, it's funny too, Jem. Uh, you mentioned about stock, and I think like, stock is actually a pretty big selling point for some of these companies, whether it be their early, early startup or even if you went to work at somewhere like Uber. It's like it hasn't IPO'd yet, so you were getting stock when you start. And that's kind of like part of your package. Google still gives you stock. Like most of these, like I'm sure LinkedIn does, Netflix does, like you get stock in these companies. And that's like a big selling point, but especially on some of the, for the IPOs and, or sorry, pre-IPO. Um, and 
that's usually like a big selling point, but it can be very stressful because like you just said, they don't always make it. And so you're like banking on that. Oh yeah, I'm going to get Facebook rich. Well, that, like that's one company out of how many startups that have been here. And you also have to be like educated about this stuff too. Like I was looking at a startup that gave me an offer with stock and they were like, oh yeah, we're going to IPO soon. I'm like, how soon? They're like, in like six months. I'm like, well, no, my stock's going to be vested by then. Like I'm not going to have any like... Oh, that's interesting too. Is just asking those questions. Yeah, as well. but you gotta ask the questions, and you—I mean, even if they say like you get fifty units of stock, you're like, well, can you give me a, an approximate value of those based on your last valuation? Like you gotta, you gotta like actually understand the stuff, and a lot of new grads don't. Yeah, a lot like of everything. Don't know. I don't even understand all this stuff with like rounds of funding and like how like all that stuff works is super important, especially I don't look in, I haven't really never worked for a company smaller than LinkedIn, so I don't really have to worry about it. But <laughs> if I, you know, if I were to go to a smaller company, I think it's definitely something mm-hmm. you should look at. Yeah, into. definitely something to learn. That's also part of the bubble. I mean, like you go to a place in Virginia and you're like, oh yeah, we're looking at our series C. And they're like, what? Everybody does that here. Yeah, I think uh, the other thing that, um, people probably do uh, maybe right after school or just anybody is like fall victim like especially somebody new to, to the area might fall victim of like getting um, let's I don't know what the word for it is but like seeing a company be like oh I love this company you know like but you know and then just kind of going for that company because they like that product which is really easy to do here because there's so many companies that we use every day so another thing that is interesting too is like what was it 2008 when there was the tech bus was that it was 2008 and we're pretty right now everything is booming but is that bus going to happen again what do you guys think is that actually could that happen is it going to happen what is the likelihood of it yeah so like uh take uh uber huge company yeah why haven't they ipo'd because they know that their valuation isn't quite there like this is pure speculation and i know nothing about finance but they're what fifty billion dollar company, sixty billion dollar. Like, why would you not IPO so CEOs and like everybody can cash out? Because they know like we're we're at a very inflated point in time. Uh, I'm not gonna call Evernote because you guys work there, you still work there. But a good example of things that you're rich on paper and then slowly the bubbles bursting. And remember, a uh, good example is what's this? Yo, I was just <laughs> gonna say, one of them get like 13 million. In they got like, yeah, they something. got like an insane amount. And what did the app do? Like, it nothing. was literally, oh, Snapchat, literally, nothing. It was literally like Snapchat, but yeah. instead of pictures, it was yo, you just yo people. And I was so shocked when I really got funny. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's almost like it encourages like people to like pursue making startups that do like these things man. <laughs> that, that aren't yeah. solving any problem at all <laughs> but it's that's like the crazy thing is people actually used yo for a while mm-hmm. it was a fab product yeah. all my friends used i never tried it uh, I, I, I just like couldn't deal with it i went and i saw them at ces and i got a yoga mat from them like a yoga mat and that's pretty left. sweet <laughs> they were giving out yoga mats they had yoga mats and like light up shot glasses all right well, they capitalized on the um, the swag. I mean, so swag, swag, swag that's not hurt. Like, they're like, we can make an app. Let's call it Yo. We can make yoga mess. <laughs> that was clever. Maybe okay. that's why they started the company. They're like, all right, we need to make yoga mess. Yeah. Now they're what, making what yoga kind mats. Of app, what kind of app should we do that we can put our branding on a yoga mat? Yeah. And that's how they started. Was Yoda on the yoga mat? <laughs> no. <laughs> it was purple. They didn't want to pay the licensing for Yoda. Right. <laughs> yeah, go, going back to the question about if the bubble will burst, like, I, I guess I don't 
have like insight as to if I think the bubble will burst. I sincerely hope it does. But I definitely feel like it is expanding. Like the bubble has expanded to like even places in Seattle or Austin. Like those places are starting to like uh, come out with a lot of like like companies are starting to realize like hey these pe- these places have like pretty like pretty good tech communities. But like the rent is way cheaper. Like houses like offices are way cheaper, and so it's definitely expanding. That's what I feel like. Do you think it's harder though for those companies to start in other, you know, like there's so many startups that have been here. We talked a little bit about the VC companies or like VCs uh, backing these startups. Do you think it's actually harder to start up in, you know, Austin, I know is a big one, Seattle, there's like quite a few, New York's actually fairly big too. And Gem just came from there. There's a lot of places that companies are starting, but do you think it's more difficult for them? You mean outside of the Bay Area? Yeah. Outside of the Bay Area. (laughs) I guess that's like. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know if Austin or Seattle what the market is like for engineers there, but I think actually that's kind of why start like a lot of startups move to Silicon Valley because we have such an awesome market in the Bay. Oh, oh, in the Bay Area. In the Bay Area. That <laughs> was like two or three. Yeah, there's just like a, such a strong market of engineers in the Bay Area, which is. One more time, Augustus. There's a strong market in Silicon Valley. Oh, right on. There is a strong market, but then they bring them in and piss off all the engineers by asking them an S and I interview questions, right? Yeah. Which we have covered in a previous oh, episode. Is there actually a strong market here because there were a lot of good engineers and they all come here because they think all the other good engineers? Are oh, here. they all come here. Like, I mean, going around the table, we all we all moved here. So yeah, but I suck. Well, you don't have to tell the listeners that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, we all moved here to be here for a reason. So and, yeah. And we all feel like we suck pretty much every day. Yeah, at I think least, at least once or twice. That's the thing is we all feel like that. It's that imposter syndrome is a true thing. So, all right. So if, if you could give one piece of advice to someone considering moving to Silicon Valley, what would it be? Do it. Do it? Do it. I'm all for doing it. Like... You're never gonna get another chance. Like, just make the plunge. You can do it for a couple of years. You don't have to be here forever. But before, there's before so much value. Jem gets negative over there. I'm gonna agree. I, I I do not regret moving out here for a second. I think that the amount I've learned in the past two and a half years is, is I would never take back. The one thing I think Sarah was even touching on there is move out here, and if, the, if it's not the right place for you, it's like you can move back or move to another place. It really doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, I think breaking your lease is a little expensive because it's four thousand dollars a month. <laughs> Fair enough, but <laughs> I mean, if you can't if you can't make it out a year, like that, well, you can get them to pay relocation. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I think I think it's definitely you can learn a lot in that short time. Yeah, I agree. I think my piece of advice would a be mentally strong. Um, know that you're going to come out here and you're going to think that you suck and you're going to think that you're going to fail. Um, but have that self-confidence and know that you can get through it and you can work hard and study and write more code. Keep hustling. Yeah, keep hustling, exactly. Um, And, you know, evaluate, know what you're getting into when you come out here. I think everyone knows that the housing market's expensive. Everything else is not not quite as percentage-wise as as much of an increase over housing, but, you know, there's there's a lot of other things to consider out here. Um, You know, schooling and, and all that other stuff if you have a family it's, it's definitely um, you got to really do your homework before you decide to take that leap if, if you have a family like I do it's, it's a big big thing to do mm-hmm. well, I, advise, I 
I'm definitely concentrating on everybody here. I say, I say, don't do it. I I think Silicon Valley is in a bubble because we get all these new engineers and we get all this VC money and like it's just it's a snake that just keeps eating itself over and over and over. And like I would I would rather see tech branch out of other cities like uh, Denver, Austin, Seattle, um, even New York. I, I like New York because New York you can still live fairly affordably and then commute oh, but it, in. But it was so expensive there too. But no, you can live on the outskirts. New York's expensive if you want to live in Manhattan. Well, Brooklyn, okay, but, all right. Better public transit. But you could live in the Bay Area and do the same thing. <laughs> I don't know. What is Brandon Oakland? I think it's pretty expensive though in the Bay Area. Like, <laughs> actually, Oakland has everywhere. significantly. I think I think Ryan, Ryan Oakland has it 100% on the head. Like, know what you're getting into before you come out here. Don't come out here with, like, stars in your eyes, dreams of glory, making it rich off your IPO. Like, it's probably not going to happen. Um... Just accept that you're going to, you might make like $120,000 a year and you're going to share an apartment with three other dudes. And you think, this is life now? But, that's I, a, but you're speaking just to the start. There's also companies that are established. We're all at a pretty established companies and people do move out here. You just moved out here to work at Netflix. And I mean, that's a little bit different story. It's like, yes, you still deal with the expensive rent and you still deal with all that. But uh, Netflix is already IPO'd, so you're not really doing it for like that small like, startup or anything at that point, too. True. If not for Netflix, I probably wouldn't move back here from New York. Like Netflix is an acceptable opportunity, and like I don't regret that for a second. No, like, that, that second, makes sense. But, like, yeah. And excluding salary, because well, Netflix paid very well. But excluding that, like just the opportunity to work with such smart people. But I think if you're coming out here as a junior engineer, like you can suffer. You can really suffer. Yeah. And the problem is, like, we honor that suffering, saying, like, oh, no, it's going to be poor, just, like, totally just eat ramen every day and just but suck like, it out of the East Bay. what's the difference between that and what you do somewhere else? I mean, like, I have genuinely no complaints about that. Like, I make way more money than any other, like, new grant that I know. Like, I don't deserve it. I think it's awesome. And even though my rent is so high, like, I'm here, like, sitting on a podcast with a bunch of cool dudes drink beer, and it's, like, expensive to drink beer. Like, I can go out for dinner, like, I am very privileged, and, I mean, like, I can complain all day about my rent, but, like, at the end of the day, I can still pay it. Like, that's something to be proud of. I think that's probably my biggest complaint, or only thing I could actually complain, and I don't try not to complain about it too much, but I think that's, you know, can be a complaint is your rent, but after that, I think there's so much value here. To put it in perspective, my salary... From when I lived in Wisconsin, it has tripled since I've been here. From when I was in Wisconsin, and I'm living the exact same lifestyle I was in Wisconsin. I yeah, mean, it's not like you're like, yeah, like I'm making yeah. really good money back in Wisconsin, but down here I'm no. But how many more opportunities that. do you have here? I have a lot more opportunity to learn, a lot more opportunity to grow. Um, but I think just don't look at that dollar figure of your offer and think that you're going to be living large when you get an offer for down here. I don't eat yeah. ramen anymore. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, well, actually, like, I think this goes into my opinion. I think it, it's not 100% necessary for you to move to Silicon Valley. I think you should go where the opportunity is. I think you can still learn a lot from even going to, like, places in Seattle or Austin or whatever. Those have, like, pretty good emerging markets. Kind of like how, Jem, you mentioned, like, you moved to Seattle. Or you, sorry, you moved, you moved here for Netflix because Netflix was such an awesome opportunity. Really, like, go where the opportunity is. I definitely feel like the Silicon Valley culture is worth experiencing once in your life. I think we get a lot of insight to like things that come out before a lot of other places know about it. Like it was so funny. My parents were like telling me like, 
they were in Hong Kong, and they were like, do you know about this thing called Uber? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's getting so big here. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's been in SF for quite a while now. <laughs> it started getting bigger in Hong Kong, and yeah. they were just like, like, oh my god, it's incredible. Like, I can call someone up. I budget for Ubers. <laughs> What's that? I budget for Ubers. Yeah, I can add up quickly. <laughs> to wrap up today's uh, episode, let's uh, go around and do picks. Ryan, what do you have for us this week? So my first pick is going to be the Dash application. I think it's OSX specific, um, but it's just a great way. I have shortcuts in, in Vim to open it up when I have a, a word highlighted. And it's just basically an app that sucks in all the documentation for all the projects that you could imagine. Uh, it's a really great way to have all that centralized and be able to look it up really quickly. My second one is TypeScript, actually. <laughs> uh, I've been playing with it a lot lately, and I'm actually starting to drink the Kool-Aid, and I've really gotten a lot of a lot of benefits that I see on it. So um, if you haven't checked it out yet, check it out, play with it, give it a chance. Um, when I first heard of TypeScript, I was like, fuck this, this is not JavaScript. <laughs> it's stupid, they're trying to make it .NET. Microsoft paid for it. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've done a full 180 on it, and I've noticed a lot of potential bugs it caught. Uh, before I even released code, I you know, I got some compile time errors, and yeah, so give it a shot and, and check it out. Uh, and the music I've been listening to, uh, the song I'm recommending is uh, called Army of Me by Bjork. Is that how you pronounce your name? I don't even know how to pronounce that. I, I think you did. Uh, I think you hit it on the head there. That, was <laughs> that and Cascade, Cascade, <laughs> uh, whatever. Those are the two I can never pronounce. But no, go and, go and check that song out. It's a great, great song to pop up in your headphones and code to. Yeah. Add it to the playlist. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. Yeah. Only because I'll say this. I'm I'm on, I'm almost done Red Rising Book 3. Uh, it was Ryan Anklin's first pick, I think, for our first episode. Yeah, it was. I'm almost done it. Fantastic, fantastic pick. So you have now earned the right that I'll be like, I will trust you on this. You will try TypeScript now. I'm going to try TypeScript. <laughs> I, I I saw it. I didn't like it because it looked it looked just like Java. It was public static void. Oh, game. it I was. was. Like, this yeah. is Java. What are we doing yeah. here? But I'll give it a shot because Brian and Chris said so. I All actually right. tried TypeScript a couple of years, maybe it was a year ago. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, I like that it's like kind of like SAS where you can just kind of write JavaScript and it'll still compile. Um, you can suck in as much as you want to. You can declare all your types as any and just write JavaScript like you would. Mm -hmm. You can make it very strict. Funny. You can just like learn as you go and add more to it. It's cool. Nice. Uh, my picks. First one is the S6 compatibility table. Um, it's good to know because I think most people are able to write some form of S6. So it's good to know where the browsers sit, where as far as translation goes, things like that. Second pick is music for programming. It's good because none of the music has vocals, so it's good if you just want to like lock in and zone out. Some of the music's dubious, but overall, I think it's pretty solid. Uh, my last pick, this one is great, Rapping Deconstructed. It Box put out an article about hip-hop and just how it's evolved over the past 20 years, and it's just like, it is insane just the, if you think of how far JavaScript has come, just think how far rapping has come. Like, it, it's crazy for someone to do an actual breakdown of it. I highly recommend watching it. It's like, Seven, eight minutes. It's just 12 minutes, but 12 I can minutes. totally vouch for that. That blew my mind. It was such a good 12 minutes spent. If you have any interest in hip hop, rap at all, so good. Yeah, to so see good. like where we come from like the 80s and now with Kendrick Mars destroys, destroys people from the 80s. And like it's so much more complex and 
you think hip hop is just like this kind of dumb medium where there's rhyming words together, but the level of complexity they do, the intelligence you need to do to like do it at a high level is just incredible. Yeah, I, I highly recommend it. I wouldn't call it dumb. <laughs> I think some people think it's dumb. It's really? like, like matching words with a beat and they're like, that's it. But someone like Hedrick Bars like four beats and like a different word every single time and just yeah. rhymes all together. And it also, but also tells a story at the same time. Yeah. 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 They're mixing just, rhymes with sentences with the way they end it. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. It's I crazy. How they visualize so it. It's amazing. Sexist shit in some people's hip hop that like. That's, yeah, that's I, I mean, like, I need somebody like send yes. me like the best shit that I can listen to without having to be. Oh man, I yeah, have so much. It's like even with Drake, he puts like good girls against bad girls all the time, which is like a less subtle version of sexism. Who's a fan of Drake though? Pretty much most <laughs> of this country, <laughs> even though you're still from Canada. I know, and so is he. So no, no one. What is music for programming? <laughs> is that like a playlist or is that like a website? It is a website. Uh, one, the design is awesome because it's like kind of funky, old school console-ish. Mm-hmm. But it's really, it's done by a lot of famous um, electronic artists. So it's just not ambient quite because I really like ambient, but it's not ambient. It's just music with no lyrics at all. So you just kind of put it on and know that you probably won't get interrupted from your flow. It's like good background music. I like that. That's cool. I'll have to check that out. Okay, so my picks. Um... <laughs> I don't know. I didn't want to like make Maker Fair pick since like today was the last day, but I went to Maker Fair. But you sort of did just now. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. I went there and there was a booth, and they actually had this thing called the Sensil Morph, which um, is a Kickstarter project I backed like uh, last fall. But it's like kind of like a Wacom tablet where like you have the pen, but it's actually built with sensors, so it responds to pressure. So you can like draw with like a paintbrush, or you can um, like. It has overlay overlays that like you can magnet on and you can put like a mini keyboard on and it responds to like the pressure of whatever you're doing and it can sense the shape of whatever you're pressing in. So there's so many cool possibilities. Um, and I'm really excited for it to get shipped to me. And it was cool to try one out at the Maker Fair. Um, my other pick is like um, I just saw earlier that um, Google has released a IFTTT. Uh, integration for the OnHub router. Can we explain that for... Yeah, so um, I have... I'm just going to say I have TT because too many T's. If um, this, then that. <laughs> yes, that, what, what Brian said. Um, it's basically you can connect little channels and create recipes. So you can do things like... Um, I think I set up one, like if I put um, I like a message in Slack, you can add it to an Evernote or you can do all sorts of things. Um, just like connecting different like social media or like products like Philips Hue lights. Um, yeah, if it rains, my lights turn blue. Whoa! Oh, never rains. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it never rains in the Bay Area. Is that what you're saying? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like you could do stuff like uh, turn on uh, your lights if you get close to your uh, apartment and you put connect to the Wi-Fi. That's cool stuff. Cool. Oh, they have, like, if this and that is amazing. So that is pretty cool that the on hub is now connected mm-hmm. there. And I have fun, and it's cool. Very cool. Agassiz, what yeah. do you have for us uh, for this episode? Yeah. Uh, so some things I've been looking into. One is this thing called Tiny Letter. It's this like kind of side project that Mailchimp started, where essentially it's like a personal newsletter. It's pretty interesting. So it's I, I I'm not sure how effective it is, but but it's like you could essentially start your own 
newsletter for people and they can subscribe to it and it just makes it really easy. And I'm kind of actually going to merge too. I think like a lot of companies are starting to explore like keyboards for mobile. So um, Gboard is one that Google came out with. So like when you when you type something, you can like search, you can, it makes it really easy to just automatically search. And it does like all in place. So like, let's say for example, you're sending someone like a Google Maps location, like you could type a location or something and then it would like come up with a Google view of like, oh, here's the map location. You can just text that immediately. Have you tried it? Yeah, I have. And one thing I do want people to be aware of is if you look at the legal, like they do, of course, look at what you are typing to people. So that kind of bothers some people. So whether you well, want the, Yeah, the good thing with third-party keyboards, too, is that iOS blocks, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. passwords and stuff like exactly, that. Exactly, so. yeah. So I noticed, like, on one password, it, it didn't work, yeah. but and for everything else it did. But I think it's definitely worth exploring. And I also know that Microsoft came out with one called Wordflow, um, and they essentially modified it so that they optimized it so you could uh, use um, keyboards one, with one hand. One hand. Yeah. I so love Wordflow. I gave up it? on it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I gave I Ryan quit, a hard I time. I quit so quickly. Derek was <laughs> like giving me shit for it, and I was like, it's terrible. I know I tried. It's not terrible. I think it's good. I just it's don't really good. Yeah. But I think it's like super interesting how they're exploring. Yeah. Oh, totally. I, so. I was sold on the idea, but I just couldn't grasp it. It's like Vim. I couldn't get over that. <laughs> yeah. So check those do you out. use Swipe or do you use... Swipe, yeah. I just don't know if I want to get good at Swipe. Anyway, that's different. <laughs> All right, my picks. Um, so my picks are not really anything new, but um, my first pick is Periscope just because... Um, so some of you know that I'm a big Apple fanboy, and so <laughs> I wanted to... There's a the brand new store in Union Square opened in San Francisco um, in the Bay Area. Um, <laughs> is that the one that they call, like, yeah. And I really wanted to go, but I'm also very lazy and don't like to get up early on the weekends. So I was able to watch somebody wait in line and go into the store for like 45 minutes on Periscope. And my wife and I laid in bed and watched this unfold live. <laughs> that is the most <laughs> Silicon Valley thing I've heard all day. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't have to happen just in Silicon Valley. Anywhere in the world, they could have been Maybe like the Bay Area. And the funny thing is, on Derek's wife, Sarah's uh, Instagram, I saw her take a photo of their TV and say, like, that's what they were doing. And I, I was like, too. this is hilarious. I didn't even know there was a new Apple store being open, but I did because of her Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wasn't your wife wow. periscoping? Oh uh, yeah, so we went later in the day when I I, I was watching that. I saw oh, you. And I was like, there. <laughs> I watched that as well. But but Periscope actually has has um, added a whole bunch of features just recently. So now every video is automatically saved, which is kind of cool. So there's like a point if you don't have any watchers, you still at least have the video to save. And they have like you can draw on the screen and stuff like that. Kind of like I don't know what other app does that. But. Snapchat. <laughs> I was gonna say Snapchat. Yeah. And my other pick is uh, Firebase. So um, I really liked Firebase before, and Google at Google I O they just made an announcement, which is re- I'm really happy to hear because a I think there's a lot of cool stuff that came to it. They added like hosting and like basically like a one stop shop for app um, for app development. But the um, the other thing that I'm really excited for is that they're putting a lot of weight behind it. So I used to use Parse, and that went away. So yeah. I'm glad that I'm glad that uh, Google is embracing Firebase because I think it's a really good tool. You don't want to build so what did they actually announce? Did they like require Um Yeah, so they just announced like you can. It's, I I mean, from what I can tell, it's kind of like a Heroku and what Firebase used to be combination. So it's kind of like they have hosting, they have CDN hosting, they have basically all you need to do is build the front end and you have everything else. Well, I know what Firebase is, but what was the actual announcement? Like the 
just all the new features because Firebase used to be just like a back Oh, did service. Google already acquire Firebase? Yeah, yeah, okay. it was a year Never mind. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, and they also announced like analytics. That's oh, yeah, the analytics stuff. huge. It's like you could yeah. like get hella deep into like, yeah. like cohorts and mm-hmm. stuff. Great. So, my picks uh, for this episode is especially with Silicon Valley as our topic. I Are thought you I would. The Bay Area? The Bay Area. <laughs> Uh, I chose one of mine as Phil's Coffee. Super delicious. Uh, really good coffee. So I figured, hey, why not add that on there? I think it is only available in California. So I figured, why not add that one? Another one I have is a pair of shoes I bought the other day. I feel like someone had tweeted about them. So that's what sold me on them. And I tried them. It was called All Birds Shoes. Yes, I am actually wearing them. They're super comfortable. Highly recommend trying them up. They have like, I think there's only like four or five colors for both male and female. Um, they're really, really comfortable. Um, and they're like, you can machine wash them and everything. So um, They almost look like Yeezys in a way. Like what? Yeezys? I don't yeah, think I know do. what that is. Yeah. I have never even heard of those ones. They're <laughs> <laughs> some super expensive shoes. Um, these ones aren't too... This from Kanye West. Yeah, these aren't too pricey. They're like a hundred bucks. So very comfortable shoes. I've been wearing them for the past week. Really good so far. And then my music pick is actually a Canadian artist by the name of City and Color. Uh, and it's actually spelled the Canadian way in color. So it's got the U in there. <laughs> really good. Um, if anyone ever listened to Alexis on Fire, that was another Canadian band. Dallas Green was one of the uh, singers in Alexis on Fire. He started this band separately. And yeah, so that's my pick. I like your hat. Yeah, I'm actually wearing a Tron Maple Leafs hat. So, just a little bit of trivia. Um, I think Phil's actually just branched out of the Bay Area. Oh, wow. So, where? Just say that. Because, so, where? Um, I think in LA and DC. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, I guess I said California because I wasn't sure how far it went, but that's cool that they're even in DC, DC now, too. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. DC is a cool place for tech. I liked DC. I interned in DC as well. So before we wrap up everything today, let's go around the table and uh, where can everyone get a hold of you on Twitter? Ryan? So I am Bittersweet Ryan on Twitter. Jim? I am Jim Young. Twitter. I'm Sarah <laughs> underscore Federman. Wait, are you saying it's boring because he can't, you didn't get your name? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's that PhD girl? I hate her. <laughs> Augustus? Uh, mine's Augberto, A-U-G-B-U-R-T-O. Mine's at Derek Showers, and you probably don't have to spell Derek because no one in this world does. So you can just go to at front at happy hour. And I'm at Burgess D. Ryan. Uh, so that's pretty much it for today's episode. Make sure to follow us on front end HH on Twitter. If you've been enjoying the episode uh, or any of our other episodes, make sure to rate us on iTunes and help us out by telling us what you think. Tweet me your opinions of TypeScript, too. I want to hear them. And give us five stars. Oh, yeah. Five stars. So you don't... Sarah doesn't want to see anything good. I don't want to see anything good. I mean, bad. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to see anything good. The final hour. (laughs) The final hour of us. We've had a bunch of drinks. This is what happens. Damn it.